0: If it says you, says you are live. Do you see that on YouTube? Mm-hmm. Yes? Oh, perfect. I see the books. Yeah, you got That's YouTube. Okay. There everyone we are up and running and i have a whole bunch of books over here so this is going to be an exciting class bezrat Hashem here we go parshas tonight is actually purim it's the small purim small purim an awesome purim but we're not going to talk about purim today even though i thought of doing that but in the end it didn't But happy purim to all small purim and let the small purim lead us to the big things Okay, ready to go. We're ready to go. I always forget to say this, but anybody that wants to dedicate this class retroactively, please grab this class, a good class. I hope it's good. Let's see. Anyways, this week is Parsha Ski We have a whole bunch of stuff in the Parsha. I'd like to focus today on something that maybe we don't always pick up on the Parsha. Moshe goes up to heaven. We got the whole story, the golden calf. That's a lot of like that negative story, and then he he gets forgiveness. That's really cool. It's very special. But in the middle of it, the Torah in the end was the very end of the parsha. The Torah says how Moshe, when he went up to heaven, in, 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 in Parak Lamadawat, verse 30. I mean chapter 32 in Exodus and Shmoiz, um, chapter 32, verse 28. It says, Shem tells Moshe. This is the third time Moses is going up. Moshe went up to Hashem for 40 days and 40 nights to study the Torah. Then he received the Torah. Hashem gave him the Torah. Then he comes down and and the Jews made the golden calf, so he breaks the, 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 the tablets, the luchas. Then he goes immediately up the next day and he spends another 40 days and 40 nights, a night pleading and asking for forgiveness. And then finally God, after 40 days, that's already, so altogether he was already two times 40 days in heaven, comes back down and Hashem tells him to bring up new stones. And Hashem will inscribe the 10 commandments on the second pair of stones that he's bringing up. And the difference was that the first stones, God didn't ask Moshe to bring him anything. God provided the stones and of course the writing. This time, God provided the script, the writing, but the stones themselves, Moshe brought up to heaven. And he was there for a third round of 40 days and 40 nights. So the verse is speaking about that. And it says, He was there with God. 40 days and 40 nights. Bread he didn't eat. And water he didn't drink. And he wrote on the luchos. Hashem wrote on the luchos. But Moshe during those 40 days and 40 nights from Rosh Chodesh Elva until Yom Kippur is not eating. Okay, it's interesting. The the Pasuk doesn't say it the first time over here. Meaning when he went up the first time it says it by the last 40 days. So it's a passage in the Talmud. This is in Tractate Bab Mitziyah. In Daf, we spoke about the three Babas a few weeks ago. This is on Daf Pe'vav. Tractate Bab Mitziyah, Pe'vav, it's just page 86. On the second side of the page. The Gemara says like this, Ami Rabbi Tanchum, Bar There's a There's a sage, his name is Rebi Tanchum, the son of Khan He says, A person should always don't change from the conduct in a certain environment. You know, whenever you come amongst people, try to go along with what people are doing in that particular place. Um, And um, yeah, and that is because Don't be an outcast. I mean, obviously, we're talking about in cases where people are behaving in a decent way. It's just not in the way that you're accustomed to. People have certain uh, cultural expectations. They're all kosher. We're not talking about any kind of a corrupt behavior. It's not telling us to go along with corruption, God forbid. But it is saying if people have a conduct to do a certain thing a certain way, um, um, one should not stand out and do differently. Where do we see that? You know, the conduct down here is we eat. The conduct up there in heaven is they don't eat. Angelic beings don't eat. When Moshe went up to heaven, when Moshe went up to the Malachim, he behaved like the angels. And when he didn't eat, he didn't eat bread. And we also see vice versa. When Malachim, when angels came down to earth, they did eat. And when the Malachim came down below, they ate bread. When is this? By Avram. When the angels, the three angels we know, came to visit our father Abraham. So during that visit, it says that Avram served them a meal. He served them tongue and mustard. <coughs> and he asked her to make bread and all that stuff. In the end, the bread he didn't bring because it became Tamez, it says. But whatever. He serves them a feast. Okay. They ate bread. Even though here it says they did eat the bread. means at They ate food. I think maybe others explained that it. it wasn't, but literally they ate the bread. In any case, so then it's not, the sages asked the question, are, you, are we crazy or something? The angels really ate? Angels don't eat? So the Talmud answers, they appeared as if they ate and drank. So they set up a, a, like a um, a, um, a scene as if they were eating. They pretended to be eating. And uh, as the Medra says, also, I'm going to share that medicine in a moment, they caused the food to disappear. But no one noticed it. Anybody that was there thought they ate. And this is all based on the premise that when you go to Rome, act like Rome. In other words, don't be different. You know, don't stand out, be the same. Um, and yeah, don't stir up the pot. Yeah. Don't draw unnecessary attention to yourself. That's what the Talmud says over here. So when Moshe goes up to heaven, Moshe wasn't even pretending. He really didn't eat. He didn't eat. When the angels came down over here, the Talmud says, at least they pretended to eat. Now, I'm going to share with you what Tosfah says. So one of the commentaries on the Talmud is the Toswas. Well, Toswas says that in the Seder, this idea that we say that the angels only pretended to eat. Really, they didn't eat. So Tosva says that there is another Midrashic account, actually handed down to us by Elijah the prophet, who was an angel himself, Elioa Navi, And over there it says differently. It says the angels really did eat. Not like those who say, not like, not like it says in our passage in the Talmud, that they appeared to be eating, but they didn't eat. They literally ate and drank. For the honor of Avram Avinu, they literally ate and drank. And it's actually an argument. It's two opinions. Whether the angel, again, yeah, Moshe for sure didn't eat when he was in heaven. That's no question. The verse says he didn't eat. When the angels, when it says they ate, so in our Talmud, it says that the angels pretended to eat. But they really didn't eat. But in the, in the Sefer El which is a book from Elio Anavi, it says that the angels did eat. Let me read you that passage. What Tosas is referring to this book called Talmud of Elio. And here it says, the, 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 the actual wording over here is very sharp. Elio Anavi really rejects this notion that the Talmud says over here. Whoever says the angels didn't eat, they're, they're not saying anything, meaning uh, they're wrong. It's as if they never said it. Whoever said that the angels didn't eat, in, in this medrash of Eliyahu Navi says it's incorrect. It's as, if it, it's as if it never was said. Of course they did eat. Because of the, the merit of that tzaddik, because he's such a righteous person of Avram Avinu. <laughs> because he exerted himself for their sake. And could you wonder, okay, he's a nice man, Avram. He's a big tzadik. It's a big thing to hang out with him. But they're still angels. Angels don't have a stomach. They don't have a... They, the whole thing doesn't work for them. They don't have the piping to eat. So that's what the Medrash says. In the reward of Avram and for the merit of Avram, Pasach Lema Baruch P.M. God opened their mouths. and they ate. They did what they never, ever do, but they did actually eat. Okay, so we have a little bit of a, two opinions, whether the angels ate when they came down here. But one thing is for sure, when Moshe went up over there, he didn't eat. Okay. Now, we will see that when Moshe goes up to heaven, if Moshe eats, that Moshe didn't eat, that's also could be understood on many levels. What does it mean he didn't eat? So now, or how did it come about? But before we get to that, let's take a look at a similar statement in the Midrash that's this week in the Parsh. Again, the first thing I share with you is on the Gemara Masech, Baba Mitzia. Okay? Now, from the Midrash Rabbah, which is a Midrash on this parsha, in Perek Mem Zayin, on this verse, um, over here it is, over here, uh, in the Sivav, he shot was there with God. So the Midrash says, can a human being be for 40 days or 40 nights, excuse me, without food and without drink? That's an impossibility. You can't. Rebbe So Reb Tamchuma, in the name of Rebbe Lezer bar in the name of Rabbi Meir, says, HaMashal Omer, the metaphor goes, "Uzlas Lekarta Halach Benemusay. When you go to a city, behave in its mannerisms. That basic idea, when you, when, when, when you go to Rome, behave like the Romans. That idea, the Medrash says, is what people have always said. So therefore, up there where there is no eating and drinking, Allah, Moshe, Moshe ascended, and he compared himself to them. And therefore, they don't eat, he didn't eat. Where there is eating and drinking. The angels came down. And they ate and they drank. Same idea. Because when you come to a place, you have to conduct yourself. That he stood on and they ate. So actually, the first opinion in the Midrash is that the angels... Did eat Moshe goes up there and he compared himself to them and therefore he didn't eat. Because you're supposed to, when you go to a certain place, you're supposed to behave and become like the people. We'll soon stop that in that place. And when so when when he goes up, he behaves like the upper. And when the angels come down, they they behave like the like the people below, like the beings below, and they ate. Oh, Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi disputes this last point, similar to what it said by us in the Talmud. Rabbi Yochanan is, it, 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 it agrees to what it says in the Talmud by us. It appeared as if they ate, they didn't eat. And Moshe, when he went up there, behaved like angel and he didn't eat. When they came down, it was all a, 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 a Hollywood stunt. It was uh, optics. They created themselves to appear as if they're eating, but they really didn't eat. Okay. So it's interesting. Just to just to summarize and get the idea. We're going to do a little bit today of an analytical um, um, analyze a few different sources, and they all seem to be saying the same thing, but if you analyze them carefully, you can see that there's a world of a difference, and that's what we're doing over here. So the general gist of here is the same thing. Why, why Moshe didn't eat? Because, you know, you're supposed to be this, you know, you're not supposed to stand out, or you're supposed to behave like a certain way, like everybody else's behavior. So when you go over there, it's like this. When you, the differences we see so far between the midrash and the Talmud, slightly if we look carefully. Number one, when it comes to the angels coming down, according to the Talmud, there's no argument. The Talmud just states one opinion. I share with you what it says in the in the in uh, in what uh, in Tosfos brings from the. From the Tana de Veliol, but that's let's move that to the side. What the Talmud itself says, what the Gemara itself says is when Moshe came down to, I'm sorry, when the angels came down here, they only appeared not to they only appeared to be eating, but really they weren't eating. In the it says the angels came down and they ate. But then the Medrash brings a second opinion. Rabbi Hanan says that it only appeared to eat and not, and they and, and but really they didn't eat. Okay. But there's another important, fine difference between the Gemara and the Midrash, Even regarding Moshe going up, which it's clear that Moshe didn't eat when he was in heaven. No one says he pretended not to eat and he slipped in quietly, you know, um, when no one was looking. Doesn't say that. Moshe really didn't eat. But the reason of why one should behave that way is different than the Gemara. The Gemara uses a term as follows. always, Alyashana. Don't change, menamina. Don't be different. Don't stare, Yeah, Just don't be different. That's what the Gemara says. You go to a community, don't be different than the community. There are people who like to make a splash wherever they go. Not me, I do my thing. And the Talmud says not that way. You go to a place. You go to a certain congregation. People are have a minuch to you know to, uh, to, to 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 daven this way and so on and so forth. So try to blend into it. Okay. And again, always obviously we're talking about where halacha permits, not where you know people are violating halacha. We're talking about I'm talking about where it's halachically okay, or it matters that are not halacha. It's just a certain custom of style of people. You know, don't change. So the Gemara emphasizes the not, don't stand out. The Medrash uses another phrase. It doesn't emphasize the no, it emphasizes the yeah. The Medrash says, when you go, what is the, the Medrash says? The Mashal says, the metaphor says, when you go to a city, behave like the people in the city. So what do we see on a subtle level? It's not just not to be different but rather it's also a certain positive approach. When you go somewhere, you ought to be like or behave like the people. It's not only not to be different. What would be the difference between the two? The idea of not being different, obviously, is in order to avoid, avoid, you know, not to rattle the piece. People are comfortable in certain ways, in their communities, and their places, where people all follow certain, certain ways. By someone being different, you're causing a little friction. And maybe most people will just be quiet and they'll slip over. They don't care. I mean, all you need is one hothead who gets upset. You know, how come you're different? They going, oh, right here, we do it this way. And you're opening up to create a little bit of us. Of and we're supposed to be peaceful people supposed to be peaceful, civilized, get along with each other. So when people conduct themselves in a certain way, don't be different, because if you're going to be different, you might cause some kind of a friction and it might lead to a fight. That's according to the talent. And as long as it's in a way that you avoid that, you're kind of okay not because there is something special about the mannerisms of a certain community and therefore you should be like them. It's just that you shouldn't cause a fight. And that's the emphasis. According to the Midrash, and the reason we can say the Talmud Talmud sees it that way, because Talmud is more the source for halacha. So halacha means requirement. There's a requirement. The requirement of a person is to be a, a, a peaceful person not to create fights. And therefore, don't do something that's going to rub people wrong. That's it. Don't do something to rub people This You don't start up a fight. That's halachically required. Midrash, however, is beyond halacha. Midrash is more teaching you higher ways of piety. Isn't necessarily a requirement. So the midrash is telling you a step deeper. It's not only that you shouldn't cause a fight, but one should try to be like the people that you're going to, it's like the community that you're going to. It's a positive entity. You're trying to, to 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 go along with the community that you're coming to. In a sense, it's what it says in it's in a sense what it says in Pirkei Avos. Pirkei Avos, we know with chapters Ethics of the Fathers, which is also the sages say Mila de Hasidista, It's elements of piety not basic halacha, it's not requirements. It's the it's the finer way of living. It's a higher way of life. That's what Pirkei Yavuz said. Pirkei says the statement, Al don't separate yourself from the community. And what the Medrash is saying over here, what the, what the Pirkei Yavis is saying is more than what the Talmud is saying. The Talmud in the Sechit, it just says, don't change, just don't change from the mino. Tifresh means don't set yourself apart. When you go somewhere, join. The, join. There's a positive element over here of joining the community, and we perhaps can explain it. Um, that that um, every place, its mannerisms, its customs, the way people behave, has to do not just with just people made up their minds that way. It has to do with the with with the certain chemistry of the place that God set up. You know the differentiations that there are in the world, which we're living in a world today, that the world wants to utterly disregard the essential um, 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 characterizations and 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 you know idea that God created each and every one of us unique and different, and we need to embrace our differences and respect our differences. But recognize that we're different and we shouldn't try to demolish the differences and try to be the same because that's a destruction of God's creation. We all know that this is horrific what's going on in the world today when they try to you know, remove the boundaries that God created, let's say, between men and women. Hashem created a man to be a man, a woman to be a woman. You don't just decide you're one, you're the other. That's disres- It's disrespecting the Almighty who created someone that way. But it doesn't mean that I de- that I that I that I that I because I'm one way, you're another way, that I have less respect for you. That that's a different story. No, I have a full appreciation for a woman, I have a full appreciation for a man, but, but respect yourself and be who you are and don't make believe. So that really applies on a much deeper level to the unique differences that there is in each place. And those customs and those mannerisms fit and are consistent with. The spiritual dynamics, which then later translates into the physical infrastructure, the, the build and makeup of how God creates each society in each place, its style of food, its style of eating, these things ought to be respected. And when, therefore, when you go there, since you're entering into that zone, you should adapt to those regulations. Again, we're talking about as long as it's not corruption. As long as it's not evil, it's not about people doing something wrong. But as long as it's not a question of morality, it's just a question of different different conducts and different behaviors, one should. So it's not just not to be different. It is important to be part of the place that you go to. And therefore, we'll also notice how come look look at the difference. Once we understand that, that's the difference between the Gemara, the Talmud which says, don't change the minhag. All it's emphasizing is don't be different. As opposed to the midrash that says, when you go to a place, go in its ways. You know, follow its customs. It's a positive. But we also see the midrash also emphasizes something else. The midrash also emphasizes that when Moshe went up to heaven, Nidma lahem, he compared himself to them. When the angels come down here, they compared themselves, they adjusted to us. Nidma, he appeared. You see, the medrash is calling for not just not stirring up the pot, but to actually becoming, to join a community, to join a, 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 a place and become one with the place. The Talmud doesn't say Moksha went up and he became like that, or they came down became... They just say, you know, don't don't change the minhag, that's it. So you see the subtlety in the Midrash that there is a a positive element, or we might say a higher requirement of a person to join. Actually, there's halacha. These things are are halachic things, at least, as I said earlier, the Talmud, the Gevara, that says don't change... We know that the Talmud in Pesachim, in, 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 in for instance, you know, has when it comes to various different halakha, there are certain communities that are different custom. So, for instance, the Talmud is dealing over there, which the question is: if people do work on erev Pesach, so if I'm if I'm correct, after midday, it's forbidden to do work on on the day before Pesach to do malach because it's the it was already the time of the. The carbon Pesach, the paschal sacrifice, and therefore you weren't allowed to do work. The question is the first half of the day. If you're allowed to do work you're not allowed to work. And it used to and different Jewish communities had different customs. So the Gemara says that even if you belong to one community, but if you go to another community, you're you ought to behave like the people in that community. And the reason for that is because you're not supposed to change from the middle. So that's again halakh. Now, on a higher level, the Midrash is saying it's not just not to change, but it's also to become part of. And that will explain, as we said now, how the Midrash is using different terminology. The Midrash is saying, first of all, it it says it in a positive thing. When you go to a city, be that way. The Midrash is also emphasizing the idea that when Moshe went up to heaven, he became like them. And when the angels came down, they became like people. And thirdly, this is the most, this is the, this is the actual most important part, is that, remember, when the angels came down, according to the Talmud, they only appeared to eat. It was only optics. But in truth, they didn't eat. And the Talmud is satisfied with that. Why is the Talmud satisfied with that? Because in the Talmud, there is no requirement to actually pick up on the, on the, on the mannerisms and the behaviors. It's just that you shouldn't cause a fight. So if you can get away with it without anybody noticing it, you're you're scot-free, you're okay. So the angels are pretty cool. And they know how to hide it that they're not eating and appear to be eating. So it was okay. It satisfies the requirement of the tongue. But if we're going to go according to the Midrash, where the Midrash says that when you come to a place, you're supposed to become like the people. You're supposed to adapt to the place. Then the Midrash says that when the angels came down, they ate. Similar to what we said earlier for Eliyahu Anavi, that um, they actually, <laughs> that uh, Eliyahu Anavi says they really did eat. Because to satisfy to satisfy the Midrash's requirement, you have to really eat. You can't play it. It's only that Rabbi Yochanan says, even in the Midrash, Rabbi Yochanan says, no, they didn't eat, they appeared to eat. but the the one who said earlier that when you go to a place you're supposed to behave like that place states explicitly that when the angels came down, they had to eat they couldn't just provide a show as if they are eating they had to really do it Okay. so here we have these two ideas now let's take a look at a third medrash and this is the medrash the same idea is stated in a third place so when we learn Torah properly you're taught how to see nuances so when it comes to this medrash that I just mentioned to you, medrash Rabbah is in this week's Parsh in this week's Torah portion, where it says Moshe didn't eat in heaven. Now, when we go back in the Chumash, where it says the angels came down to visit Avram Avinu, the is Vayera, so over there the medrash talks about the angels eating. And over there, we're going to see now, the medrash is a certain hybrid. It's between what the Talmud says and between what the medrash says by us. It's kind of in in the middle, in the middle ground, because what does the matter say over there? Let me read it to you. Um, oh, where is it Oh here. Yeah. Says the same statement, but the medrash phrases the same, even the same sages, but phrases it a little bit different than the medrash by us. Masla, it's a, there it says Mashal, here it says masla. It is a same idea, it's a metaphor. Masla, Omar, the, the metaphor says, Allah la you go up to a city, halach bin musa, you gotta conduct yourself in accordance to what it says. up there there, there's no eating and drinking. Allah Moshe Lomaro Moshe went up to heaven Veloy Achali didn't eat. Okay. Now, so let, let, let's let's stop right over here, and see how the midrash over here is different than the Talmud and different than the midrash that we learned before. It's kind of in the middle zone. On the one hand, it seems to be following. The same idea that the Midrash by us says, that the reason you have to behave in a certain way is because it gives a positive explanation, not just a negative. Don't stir up a fight. Don't be different. It says positively identify with the place. So that's kind of similar to our Midrash. But on the other hand, when it says, well, Moshe actually did it. Unlike the Midrash that we read earlier, where it says Moshe became like them. The malahem, or he like compared himself to them. The midrash just says achal, he didn't need. In other words, it's lessening it. It's not that he compared himself to them to be like he just didn't need because they don't need. He did need. So you see, it's like grabbing it on two ends. Especially, uh, yeah. the midrash continues. and the midrash brings the pasuk the esh baram baram laila. It's interesting, the Medrash is bringing, we'll see this is important the Medrash brings a verse not from uh, Shmoiz the Medrash brings a Pasuk this Medrash, brings a Pasuk in Parshas Akev in, in Deuteronomy, in Akev. over there it says, I sat in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights Moshe is recounting what happened Lechem lo I didn't eat bread umayim lo and I didn't drink wine but But below but down here where there is eating and drinking the custom down here is we do eat so what happened the angels ate but the Medrash says immediately were they eating? and the Nirenka it appears that they so again here the Medrash says the angels didn't eat and it doesn't bring it again I'm sorry I'm being a little technical it doesn't bring it in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that they didn't eat. Again, by the Medrash also says they didn't eat. But by us, the Medrash only brings that as a second opinion that they didn't eat. The Medrish over there brings it like the same like our Talmud. For sure, they didn't eat, they only pretended to eat. So on the so where where does this midrash stand? So what we're gonna do over here, it's not really me, this is the Rebbe. The, 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 the Babich Rebbe, I mean, you know, for most of us, these things don't make that much of a difference. But when you're dealing with a Rebbe who probably is in the same situation where he goes up and he eats and drinks, and you know, he has to be very well versed in this whole in this whole subject. So he very carefully analyzes these three sources. And what does the Rebbe say? Very interesting. He says that the Medrash is an opinion that's between the Talmud and between the, our Medrash is the Medrash and Barashis. Why? Because, as I mentioned, on the one hand, he identifies it as a positive trait, not just like our Talmud that says, "Don't stir up a problem." Positive state when you go somewhere, behave that way. But on the other hand, it's not as strong as our midrash that says, "When Moshe went there, he became like them; or when they came down, he became they became." And again, why did the angels, according to according to our midrash, the, the angels literally? Needed to eat because they have to become like us. The medrash the, in the first medrash in, in Beresh, the earlier, the second one that where I'm I'm quoting today as the second one, but it's the first one, in, um, suffices with the fact that they appeared to eat and did it. So what's their opinion? Where does the medrash hold? Is this just not not to be different? Or is our or when you go somewhere are you supposed to adapt to the environment? So, what the Rebbe carves out over here is that the Medrash is a third opinion, and soon you're gonna see it's it's, like, it's so great, it's so good. But now it's a little subtle. What the Medrash does this this Medrash, it's a third opinion. It's in between the other two. Yes, the Medrash requires. This medrash requires that when you go to a certain place, that you're supposed to positively connect to the people in the place. It's Not just not to stir up a problem. It's because you're supposed to positively go along. It's the concept of altifrish menatsibur. Don't separate yourself from the community. Go along with them. Be like them. However, the question is, how strong does this mean that you have to be like the community you're going do you have to be like them in behavior only or do you have to become like them for the time that you're with them okay that's the difference in other words, to what degree do you have to go along do you retain your identity and your features and your 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 the place that you come from and that's still who you are But in matters of of behavior, you should go along with the people over here. Now behave with the different customs, the customs of the place. Or when you come into a certain place, the place itself affects you. And you become temporarily a member of this community, of this place, because you're in their zone. If you become that, that way, so naturally you behave that way. So the behavior, of course, is going to come, but the behavior is going to be a consequence of you actually changing to be one of the members of this this community, of this place. So according to that, what would the difference would be? So now we would have three opinions, three approaches. One is you're for sure retaining your identity. You're not at all becoming like anything. And as a matter of fact, we don't even care that you should even behave like them. You just won't, we don't want you to create fights. So if you can get away in any way when you won't create, we don't even need you to behave like them, even behave like them. We just don't want So Don't be different. That's it. If you know that you can, you can do it in a way that you're that 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 difference that 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 that, you know you're not noticed that you're being different to whatever it is as long as you're not stirring up a problem you're okay that's according to the Talmud. according to the midrash in veracious the earlier midrash no you have to positively identify with the place you're going but only in terms of externally in terms of behavior your behavior should be like the people in that place because you're in that place, so in that place you behave like that place. And then there's a third opinion. When you go to a certain place, become part of that community. Be, be that way. It's not just enough to behave that way, become that way. Again, I'm going back to the idea, again, as long as it's, it's permissible and moral behavior. So it's, it's a deeper requirement. That's why our Midrash says, again, and, and by us. V'nidmalahem he became like that. More than that. Our Midrash says that wow, when the angels came down, it wouldn't be enough that they pretended to be eating. They literally needed to eat. Because they become like, the, they became like earth beings. But according to the, our Midrash, the other Midrash, even though you're supposed to join the community, it would still suffice by the angels um, to appear to be eating. That would still suffice because at least their external behavior is be- is eating. That's called behavior. The behavior to the outside is eating. And that would work. Oh. So we have now three. Now, what would be the <laughs> what would be the 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 there could be an interesting difference between these three between these three approaches an actual um an actual halakhic kind of a a a difference between them hold on one second According to the first opinion, which was the Talmud's opinion, you just don't want to stir up a a hornet's nest, right? You don't want to start up. You don't want to uh, upset people. So it really doesn't make a difference why you're behaving that way. You know, if you go in a certain place and you are behaving like the people in the place, but you are, but it's not because you're becoming like them. And it's not even because you want to be like them. It just happens to be for some complete other reason that you are behaving like that Like, like that group, you're okay. There doesn't have to be any intention that you wanna be like that. It's good enough if it happens to be that you're not, you're, you're, you're doing, we'll soon see how that makes a difference in, in our case. But if you go to a certain place, as long as your behavior is not contradicting, doesn't make a difference what's causing it, you're okay. According to the second idea that there is a importance to become to be in behavior at least, like the people. So you have to feel like you're joining with them. that's why you're behaving that way because you are joining with the people in that community. But however, even in that case, it would only need to be, as much as to join them in appearance. To, you're intending to join them, but in appearance. And then the third opinion is, as we said, that you have to become like them. After have to become like them, it's not just an appearance. What would be the difference then, almost, it's a subtle difference, between the first and the second opinion, the first and second in a way of looking at it? I mean, I didn't see this openly in the in the talk, but I think this would be the, the difference. If it's only not to upset them, then what happens if you're in a community, as I say, you know, what happens if you're in a community and you know no one is paying attention to you? Are you allowed to behave different than everybody else because you know no one is going to notice it? Let's say everybody is super distracted. Let's say right now everybody's on their phone. Let's say right now it's 9 11. No one cares what's going on because everybody shook up to the core because the Twin Towers just came down. No one is paying attention to what you're doing. No one cares. No one's even looking at you. You know for sure. So according to the first opinion, you're totally scot free. You're okay. Do whatever you want. It's unnoticed. According to the second opinion, you're supposed to join the long in behavior, at least. So your behavior is a requirement to be similar to the people, even if no one is noticing. But it's the it's the idea that in your behavior has to be similar to them. And then finally, in the third opinion, of course, in all cases, when you're in a certain place, you become like that. That, that, that environment. Okay. Now let's take a look at Moshe going up to heaven. There are three reasons, three explanations to explain what happened to Moshe when Moshe went up to him. We know that a human being can't survive without food. That's the rule. Human beings need to eat. So much so that halakhically, if someone makes a someone takes an oath and says, I will not eat for seven days. We say that a person can't survive seven days without eating. I think when it comes to drinking three days and with without food, generally we say seven days. I'm not sure about drinking. I think sleep, it's three days. When it comes to, to, to eating, it says seven days. Drinking, I'm not sure what the Talmud says. But in any case, when someone says, I I make an oath that I will not eat for seven days, we force them to eat. We give them lashes for making an oath that they can't keep because the Talmud says it's impossible for a person not to eat and survive. So we, we force them to eat and they get lashes for their sin that they've done, that they, they, they took an oath in vain. Fine. When Moshe went up to heaven, he was spent 40 days and 40 nights and he didn't eat. So obviously, we understand on simple, we would think it's a miracle, but not necessary. Rambam, Maimonides. In his Sefer, Moira in his book, Moira which is the guide to the perplex, the Ramah explains that Moshe's ascent to heaven and his non-eating during that period of time was as a result of enormous concentration and attachment. He became so fixed on the divine. He went into a trance. He went to in a complete spiritual state of complete meditation. And, and in that sense, he was able to attach himself so much to his mind that he kind of comp- like, didn't feel his physical body and his physical need to eat. In other words, the Ramam is explaining it as a natural phenomenon that obviously only very few people can attain. Very few people, now we know, for instance, even amongst monks, uh, the Buddhists and some people like that, are people who all their life train for hours and hours and hours of meditation and, and, and very deep, you know, and they do very long periods of fasting, and they're able to achieve it, and that's because of a very deep concept. The Rambam over this says the prophets were, 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 were trained meditators. They reach the deepest levels of meditation. And the Rambam brings the peak of that state is Moshe. The Moshe was able to connect his mind so deeply that the power of his of his spirit like kind of completely overtook him. And so the Rambam is not saying it's a miracle. It was just a natural phenomenon. They say, for example, example, the Baal Tov used to go out every week before he was revealed he would go out to meditative prayer and study out in the in the wilderness, in the in the Carpathian Mountains. He would go there for hours, for for days. Actually, he would leave Sunday morning, and his wife would pack him a little lunchbox, and she would put their food. And then he would come back Friday afternoon and spend Shabbos with his wife, and that was for week after week. And obviously, during that time, he reached the highest levels of purification, elevation, meditation, connection to God. Maybe that was also the period of time that he studied with. The teacher of Elio, uh, of Elio, and of the Elijah the prophet, was his teacher. Okay, now the Balshamta would come back every Friday, and his lunch was not touched, his lunchbox was completely returned. His wife must have been a little upset, but every single time that's what would happen. But yet, she would prepare him lunch just in case, literally, he didn't eat. Now, it's a very interesting thing because the Baal Shem Tov was a very, very, very up strong opponent against fasting. The Baal Shem Tov warned everybody not to fast. He, and he told the Baal Shem Tov's days any person who was seeking spiritual refinement would engage in mortifications of the body. One of the great teachings of the Hasidic movement is you're not supposed to break your body, you're supposed to refine your body and not shatter it, not break it, and not dismiss it. So here the Balshemta was the master of that teaching, and he himself is not obeying his own way. So one could God forbid say? It's hypocritical in him. He doesn't let anybody else fast, and yet he fasts seven days or six days every week. So the explanation is that the Balshemta didn't fast, the Balshemta forgot to eat. It's a whole different story. He wasn't eating, 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 you know, lunch, he would have eaten. He was so enthralled with the divine. He was so in such a state of ecstasy and connection and pleasure of the divine that he simply forgot to eat. It's like we have a certain regimens when we need to eat. Well, let's say, you know, after very few hours, we're starving. We have to eat. We have to grab a bite. But we all know that when we're super excited about something and that, we're, that we can forget to eat and pass our lunchtime. And sometimes we can go for a very long period if we're very, 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 very involved in something that we simply forgot to eat. The Balsham Dovan did this every single week that he would forget to eat. Was known for one of the great rebbes of Majitz. Majitz was a very, very the Majitz dynasty, Hasidic dynasty is known for their incredible power of music and singing, song. So the Majitz was a great composer. One time it was known that he needed a big operation. And they were gonna obviously put him put him under with anesthesia. I don't know if it was it was a serious operation. And the murdered Rebbe didn't want to go under with anesthesia. And he asked the doctors, this sounds about I don't know how many years ago he lived. This before the war. I don't know. Maybe 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 about hundred years ago. He asked the doctors not to give him anesthetics. And Imagine that he's going through a major surgery. Today's days, you know, they do laser surgery. They can do. Surgeries with with far less, you know, uh, inter or whatever it's called, uh, messing with the body. But those days it was a very bloody situation. Incisions were very big, and so on and so forth. They didn't have the tools they have today, and it took longer and sloppier the whole situation. And he asked them that they let and they let him that he should sing a song. He went into a into a singing of a song, one of his songs, which is a. And he was so deeply involved in his singing, in the depth of the song, that he was able to go through the entire operation and not feel the pain. We know that's the concept of mind over matter. A person can do that. So according to the Rambam, that's what happened with Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was simply forgetting to eat. He was so enthralled with the divine that he, now his body needed food, but because he wasn't aware of it, he was able to survive. According to this, we have to say that when the sages, when the halacha says that if you make an oath, that you're not going to eat for seven days, they lash the person and make him meet right away, is because the Torah, even though it's possible for a person to do it, well, most people have not, uh, aren't any close to be able to do that. Unless you train for this, and unless you're a, an enormously strong person in terms of a spiritual person or whatever, uh, unless you really work on this, a regular person can't do it, so for most people, they would die. It's only a person that is able to fix his mind so deeply that they can do it okay that's the first explanation so according to that it is totally natural Not, i mean natural natural for Moshe Rabbeinu to be able to accomplish that now there's another explanation of why Moshe didn't eat or how Moshe didn't eat the second explanation is that Moshe's body the nature of Moshe's body changed his body ascended, and his body became similar to an angelic being. Angelic beings don't eat physical food. Moshe didn't have to eat physical food. His, 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 his body was upgraded to a body of an angel. Just like Elijah the prophet, of the Eliyahu Anavi, ascended forever to heaven, where his body became an angel. Moshe had that angelic experience for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he returned back to the regular earthy human material state according to that it was a miracle it was a change in his body it was a miracle that's a second explanation now there is support to this idea let me share with you some support that this is why i shared the first case i told you is from wah uh, it's from Haimonides, from rambam and in the, the medrash over here the Medrash in Kehelis. This is a Medrash in Kehelis, where the Medrash says. Interesting, cool idea. The Medrash says. When God created the world, God decreed <laughs> on the on the spiritual worlds that they should be upper worlds. They should be spiritual. And God locked everybody into their roles. Remember, I said in the beginning of the class, you're supposed to respect the role that God gave you. Don't try to be someone else who you're not. First of all, you're never going to be the other entity. You're just going to convince yourself you are, and you're never going to be true to who you are. So the upper were decreed that they have to be the upper, and the lower were decreed that they have to be the lower. but Moshe. but Moshe, he broke some of the rules. That's how it shows you how the tzaddik can overpower God. The righteous people, God allows them to do so, and wants them to do so. So Moshe, you know, when God said the upper has to be the upper and the lower has to be the upper, Moshe changed things around. And what did he do? He made the upper be below, but made the lower be up. What does that mean? Moshe sent it up to heaven. That means he took the lower and he allowed it to go up to heaven. And also he caused God to come down. He down to the, world. the upper came down. And more, the Medrash continues. God decreed on earth beings. Beings down here have to eat and drink. And the upper ones The upper ones were told not to eat and not to drink. Again, a tzaddik. Avram Avinu stood up and he forced the upper ones to eat. He changed the order. He forced the upper ones to eat. And, um, And Moshe went and he changed the lower ones not to eat. So from this midrash, and then it also, the midrash continues, how God decreed that the the wet, the, 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 the ocean should be an ocean and dry land should be dry land. And Moshe came and he made the ocean dry land. And he's showing how the tzaddik has that ability to shift things around. Wonderful. But from here, from the way the midrash is comparing, Moshe has ascended to heaven and not eating to the idea that by the giving of the Torah, the upper came down and the lower went up, it implies from here that there was actually a change in the nature of the body. Moshe's body, it wasn't like Moshe was just too distracted and he didn't eat. He actually, his body ascended into a spiritual state of not eating. His body became an angelic body. Obviously, it was a miracle that that happened, but that's what happened. So that's the second way of understanding now watch the <laughs> the that gives a brilliant um, difference between these two approaches. In other words, we're asking the question: When Moshe was in heaven, did he just forget to eat, or didn't he? Or he, but he really needed to eat, or he didn't have to eat because he had a different kind of a body. What would be the halachic? <laughs> Those who learn Torah all day want to always know what's the halachic difference. It's very simple. If Moshe would come down at the end of the forty years. sorry, at the end of the 40 days. And he comes back down. And it's obviously, now he goes back to eating. If at that moment Moshe would make an oath that he's not going to eat for one day. Not that he's not going to eat for seven days. A regular person who says, I'm not going to eat for seven days, gets lashes, and is forced to eat. But if you say, I'm not going to eat for three days, go ahead, don't eat. If you'll eat, you're going to get lashes. Because a person can do it, so do it. Don't eat. But Moshe, who's been starving his body already for 40 days, now when he comes down and let's say he says, I'm not eating for a day, and he takes an oath, would he be in violation and would he have to hypothetically, God forbid, have to get lashes? Because he didn't, he did an impossibility. Now, why would that be an impossibility? If we say that Moshe, when you are in heaven, it's so heavenly that you'd get distracted from eating. But really, his body was still going crazy. His body was in pain every moment. More and more, he just didn't feel the pain of his body because he was elsewhere. The moment that distraction is over because he's coming back down here, he better go have lunch very quickly. And if he says he's not going to eat for a day, eh, that's no good. He's in violation. He has to wait seven days. He can't survive another day. Because he really starved already for 40 days. It's The only reason he survived was because he was distracted. And now the distraction is over. He better go eat. If, however, we say that Moshe's body became angelic, so it didn't have to eat. Now that when he's returning back down to a human body, so the seven days start right now. It doesn't start. <laughs> you don't count those seven days as deficient body. He starts right now because he now returned back to a body that needs to eat. And how much can a body wait until it eats? Seven days. Well, it starts now. You don't have to count that time. That would be the halachic difference between the two. Cool. But now there's a third explanation of how Moshe survived without eating. What's our third explanation? Moshe's body didn't change. It didn't become an angel. It remained a human body. And Moshe's body remained a human body. Also, it wasn't natural because he forgot to eat. No. He didn't have that distraction that he would forget to eat. He's a human body. So how is he surviving? God is providing a miracle. And making that a human body shouldn't have to eat. And that miracle continued for 40 days and 40 nights. God continued providing a miracle that even though a human body needs to eat, Moshe didn't have to eat. So it was God's doing, it was the miracle that did it. What's the difference between this explanation and the other explanation that says that Moshe did, that was a miracle and this is a miracle? Both of them are miraculous. There's a difference. In the in that in, in the explanation we gave before that Moshe's body became angelic, the miracle only happened for a moment. The miracle was that Moshe exchanged his physical body for an angelic body or that his physical body, you know, was operated into an angelic body. It, 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 that's a miracle. Physicality usually doesn't change like that in the fact that he was able. To, so God provided the miracle only on the first day. Once he was transformed into an angel, his body didn't have to. eat. So you don't have to have a continuous miracle taking place for 40 days a so one time change, and that's it. And at the end, we have the miracle happen again, switching the switching him back from a, from a spiritual being into a physical body. However, if we're learning that the body stayed the entire time, a human physical body, and we can touch it and feel it, like, like the same way, like you can feel the matter of the material, and but the miracle is continuing for 40 days. Every moment, that means the miracle is a perpetual miracle for 40 days and 40 days. God's doing. So we have three explanations on how Moshe survived 40 days. Again, one is that it was completely natural, but because, even naturally, because he forgot to eat, he was distracted. He was in such a trance that he, and according to that, the body was in pain and the body was suffering, but he didn't feel his own body because he was so excited about something else. Or was it, and so it's the ultimate experience of mind over matter. Or was it a transformation and a, mir- a miracle where God turned him into an angel? Or it was a human body that miraculously didn't me. So now we're going to say that these three explanations, these three explanations conform with these three opinions that I shared with you before. On When we say a person goes to a certain place and we're required to be like and, and, you know, and conduct ourselves in the mannerisms of that place, we had three explanations of the content of why that needs to be. The first explanation was don't stir up a, you know, don't cause a fight. Don't get, and so when Moshe goes in heaven, don't get the angels upset. You know, they don't want to smell salami. They're not interested in that. They don't want to smell tuna fish. My wife always yells at me. She yells at me. <laughs> she gives me over the head that when I want to go on a plane, I want a tuna sandwich. And she says, you're going to stink up the whole plane. And I say, I want a tuna sandwich, and I want with the onions and everything. And she says, you're going to stink the whole plane. You can't do it. So she so she doesn't allow me to have lunch that way. She wants me to give me quinoa salad. And I say, quinoa, that's bird food. I want a sandwich. Any case, bottom line is she usually wins, and she gets me to have the salad, and I don't have my tuna sandwich. Why am I saying this? Is that the angels in heaven they're not interested in smelling all that stuff? They don't want the tuna, they don't want the salami, they don't even want quinoa over there. They don't want the whole situation. You're here, you know, be happy getting away. So so if that's the case, we said earlier, it doesn't make a difference why you are not. If you're gonna if Moshe's not gonna eat, the main thing is Moshe doesn't eat. It doesn't make a difference why he's not eating. You know, if he's not eating because he got so distracted that, in other words, his nature remains a human nature. And more than that, he remains a body that needs to eat. And even now he needs to eat. He's just not eating because he's distracted by something. It's okay. Why is it okay? Because as we said earlier, in this case, it doesn't make a difference why you are behaving in that way. As long as you're not contradicting and, and stirring up things by looking different. So that would work. According to the Talmud, Moshe went up to heaven, and this is what, and we will follow Maimonides' explanation of why Moshe didn't eat. According to the Midrash, that says that when you go to a certain place, you become, you're supposed to adapt, but not just because you're supposed to behave like them. You're supposed to become like them. You enter an environment, you enter into a zone. The the, 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 the the place itself um, absorbs you. And then you, you become a member of that environment. In that case, Moshe had to become angelic. If you're going to heaven, you can't be there as a human. If you're going to heaven, you gotta be a malach. He has to be an angel. So Moshe became an angel. His body dissolved into an angel. It's not just even enough conducting yourself that way. You have to become that way. So Moshe actually became that way. And that's why he didn't eat. And vice versa, when the angels came down here, they 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 got human bodies in a sense. They became physicalized, if you can say that. And they ate, according to the Mish. They, they literally did eat. Because when you go somewhere, the place affects you, and it's okay, because God created the various different dimensions, and he wants us to be in that, each environment, to be part of that environment. Then, the third explanation is that essentially Moshe's body remained human, but miraculously, God was providing that he doesn't have to eat, right? Right? It was Hashem providing a miracle continuously that he doesn't have to eat. That fits with the third opinion of the Midrash. Remember, we had Talmud, we had one Midrash, and the Midrash and Beresh. Where the Midrash and Beresh learns, as we said earlier, it's a positive element to become like the people you... to become like them. But you don't have to become like them. It's enough that if in behavior you are like them, because you want to align yourself with them. In this case, this would suffice. Moshe doesn't have to become an angel. He didn't become an angel. He remained human because you don't have to become one of those. But, if you're, but you can't say that he's not eating because he's distracted. Because then he's not eating would be very different than the angels not eating. The angels not eating is because they don't have to eat. He's not eating is because he has to eat. He's just not thinking about it. He's so distracted. So that's not good enough because you're not not evening up with them. You have to be you have to behave like them. Oh, but if God is providing a miracle. That even though he's a human body and but the intention of the miracle is so that he can be like the angels and angels don't eat. That's good because now he is on a behavioral level behaving like them not eating. And that is with the intention of being like them. Not because he got the he got so caught up in something and, he, and he's in it. All right? It, the, the, it it is because it's important to be part of a certain environment, and that would be the third explanation. Now, this actually fits with these three opinions with another statement in this medrash. There's another passage in the Midrash by us, where you can actually see, see, Till now I showed you, that there is a passage in the Talmud, there is one Midrash, and there's a second Midrash. Three different passages, and these are three different opinions. Here there's actually, in Midrash, in this week's Parsha, there's another Midrash that says three things about Moshe not eating. And the Medrash asks, how is Moshe then alive? How did he survive? And the Medrash gives three explanations. And these three explanations are actually these three things. You can, if you look deeper, you can understand them that way. The Medrash asks the question, uh, okay, Medrash brings something very special. There's a passage that says, there's a verse that says in Psalms 119, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I should learn your statutes. Again, it is good for me that I was afflicted so that I can learn your statutes. So who is saying that? It is good for me that I was afflicted. Moshe was afflicted. Moshe was the one, so that he can learn the Torah. Always his affliction? He didn't eat. How long did he eat? 40 days. But really it was more than 40 days because the whole process I told you earlier was three times 40. It was 120 days. So for 120 days, Moshe was afflicted. Then the Meddash continues. How did Moshe eat? How did his body live? So the Meddash gives three explanations. One is mezivah from the radiance of the shechina. God enlivens everything. So just like God enlivens everything, spiritual beings, God enlivens souls. How, does, how do the souls live? God enlivens without food. How does God enliven angelic beings? Without food. And, so, and God enliven, so if Hashem can enliven everything, God can enliven emotion. That's one answer. So the ray of the Shekhinah kept them alive. Another Peter, from where did he eat? He ate the Torah. His food was the Torah. Where do you find something like this? It's a pasuk in Yecheskel. The pasuk in Perek Gimel in Yecheskel, Ezekiel, it says, "Vayoyimer elai." In the in the first the first verse in chapter number three, "Paragim ol elai Ben Adam. Hashem says to Yeheskel Ben Adam, son of man, "Eisasha timtzeh echoyel." That which you find, eat. In other words, don't be picky. Eat whatever there is to eat. And actually, in this case, God was saying to him, "What? What's the non picking is? a megillah azoy. Eat this megillah that I'm writing for you. Obviously, God didn't tell him to eat the Megillah sester or eat the, you know, eat the scroll. What he was telling him to eat was eat the words. I'm going to teach you a teaching and eat it. And go speak to the Jewish people. And 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 guess what Yechazkel says? I opened my mouth. And God gave me to eat. He fed me the Megillah. And then Hashem says let your stomach eat and let your and let your intestines tamaliya be filled with this with these teachings. It was in my mouth like honey. So you see, Torah, Torah could be food, Torah itself. The spiritual ideas of Torah is food. That's the second opinion. The same is with Moshe. That Moshe ate the Torah, and that was his food. And then the third opinion, Davar. Torah From the bread of Torah. That's the third opinion. So, how is it different than the second opinion? Second opinion was the Torah. And the third opinion is from the bread of the Torah. Go eat bread in my bread. And then the, the Medrish brings a mashal. It's a metaphor. To a king that loved someone very much. And he told him, here, take this big bag, go into my room, my treasure chest, and fill yourself up a big, 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 big sack of gold coins. The guy was so excited of filling up the coins. He had this huge, huge, huge thing to fill. He didn't ask for food, and he didn't ask for for, for things, and he didn't ask to sleep. He said, if I sleep, I'm going to miss it all out. Moshe was measuring the Torah. Moshe was sitting in God's treasure chest grabbing Torah. So he, he, he was so busy. He forgot it. he didn't eat exactly what I was telling you from the Bolshemto. That idea that he forgot he didn't eat. He, he wanted to sleep. He said, What am I going to sleep now? I'm going to miss. I have a chance at 40 days to gobble up as much Torah as I can. Because Hashem gave me only 40 days. What a, what a waste of time to sleep. Hashem said to him, It's you, uh, th- this was, you You, you really g- gave it as much as you can and you caused yourself pain? Chayecha, ain't not I swear to you, you're not going to lose because after you finish your chest, I'm going to fill you up with much more than you can fit in. And God gives Moshe extra loads. Hashem helps him and, and, and heaps upon him even more. That's what the Medrash says. So that third, this third opinion that he's eating from the bread of the Torah, the Medrash continues to say that Moshe forgets to eat. So now we have three opinions. He's eating. God is sustaining him. Second opinion, he's eating Torah. Third opinion is he's eating the bread of Torah, which the Medrash continues to explain means it gives an example of a person, a king letting a guy into a, a place to fill with gold and he forgets to eat. And that was his food. So what do you see from me? What are these three interpretations? Exactly what we spoke about earlier. The last opinion that says he was eating the bread of the Torah is the opinion of Maimonides. That he was so fixated on God. He was such in such a deep state of meditation and a state of strength that he didn't have to eat because he was getting such pleasure and delight that he forgot to eat but his body remained a human body and it was a natural phenomenon. And that's why the medrash says, God says to him, you are pained. You are pained. Why is he pained? Because even though Moshe didn't feel any pain, but his body felt pain. In other words, his psyche did it. His mind wasn't there, but the body was aching. The body needed food, but Moshe neglected his body because he was so busy with the experience. That's that pirush. The second of the pirush of the medrash is the the medrash saying, oh, let's go back to the first and then we'll go to a second first perish from the man was god sustained him hashem sustained him what does that mean he had a human body and the human body that what that needs to that needs to eat but god provided the miracle every second just like god sustains a soul without having to eat god was beaming in him the miracle that he doesn't have to eat so it was hashem's miracle and that was the, that was the third explanation i told you earlier that every second there's a miracle that God is making it half. And finally, when the Medrash says that he ate the Torah, it's not the bread of the Torah, it's the Torah itself. What does that mean? That, that's the second opinion that I told you earlier, that Moshe's body became angelic. You see, angels also eat, but they eat spiritual food. And Moshe's body ate the Torah. The Torah is a form of spiritual food. So he became, it's not like God was providing a miracle and that he doesn't have eat. No, he transformed from a material being to a spiritual being. And now he can eat what spiritual entities eat. And what a spiritual entity eat, they eat Torah, they eat ideas. Just like it says about Yahesko, Ben Oda, man. This that's why also the, the verse of it says, Man, you eat it. Not God is providing the miracle. I'm changing you into a different type of a person that could could, could eat something spiritual. Three opinions. These three opinions I told you earlier. Now, we will say that really, in truth, and this is how the Rebbe concludes this whole very fascinating discussion, that really we can say that all Moshe experienced all these three different experiences. All three are true. Because Moshe was in heaven three times. And each period was a different experience. And that's the cool idea. And he gives an understanding of why each period was different. You see, the first time Moshe went up to heaven, Moshe went up to heaven to receive the Torah. At that time, God was giving him a completely divine Torah. Remember we said the stones were not even earthy. They came from God. The whole experience was God communicating, God revealing himself. In that sense, the entire experience was miraculous. Miraculous. So the first 40 days and 40 nights, Moshe's non-eating was a miracle from God. His body was a human body, but God was providing the entire 40 days a consistent miracle of keeping him alive without food. Because the whole luchos that God was giving, just like the luchos itself, that God was giving him was miraculous luchos, was 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 a divine entity, and the whole experience was divine. His experience in heaven was also completely godly. And God was showering him with a miracle nonstop. The second 40 days, God was angry, it says, upset. And Moshe comes to appease him. So God is not providing, God is not pumping miracles. That's only when God is loving and happy. God is not in the mood of the whole business. He's holding back. He's pulling back. No miracles. No way. Hashem is so upset and so angry, he's not providing a miracle. Now Moshe's got to go to heaven. moshe got to figure it out. So Moshe figured out mind over heart. Moshe figured out how to do it. He get distracted. He got so distracted by being with God in heaven, even though God is upset. But it was still very pretty distracted. So Moshe was able to do it naturally without the miracle happening, and that was the second forty days. The third forty days, the last period, God itself is again in a good mood and he's again happy with the Jewish people. That is, it says we learn out that the third forty days was similar to the first forty days, and Hashem is happy and Hashem is engaging, but. Here is a partnership. Why is it a partnership? Because we know it. but the Luchos, God tells Moshe, you bring up, you bring up the stones. And I was, I'm going to inscribe on it. The script will be miraculous, but the stones themselves will be from earth. So it's a hybrid. It's some kind of a blend. It's a miracle, but yet there's also natural. So what does that mean in terms of how did Moshe sustain himself the last 40 days without eating? The last 40 days, God... A miracle happened. God had to intervene because the miracle was there. God changed Moshe's body into a spiritual being. But then it was Moshe who doesn't have to eat. Not because God is the miracle sustaining him. Moshe is a different type of being that he doesn't have to eat because God lifted him up into a spiritual state where he doesn't have to eat. Or as we said earlier, he's eating, but he's eating the Torah. He's eating different type of. Food. So the second. So that's that that. That's this idea. That, even though it's miraculous, but it's also an uplifting of the world, which fits very well with the whole dynamic of the second pair of Luchos. It says that the first Luchos, the first giving of the Torah, the first tablets, we were tzaddikim, we were perfectly righteous. And when we're righteous, we become channels for the divine, we channel God. The second, um, the last 40 days, we were on a level of balichuva. Balichuva means penitence. Those that are doing chuva, those that are repenting. When you repent, as opposed to being a righteous person all your life, even though you're not such a high level of a channel, but you've worked on yourself because you were in a dark place. And you worked on yourself, you changed yourself. So there's a certain deep level of refinement. It's it's picking up your physical lowly state to become more spiritual, to get closer to God. So in that sense, that's what happened in Moshe's body himself. His body is doing tshuva. His body is elevating itself from its earthiness and becoming more spiritual. And in that state, God comes down to meet him and give him the Torah. So the miracle happens to help him, assist him in this, but this work, this transformation from below, he becomes elevated. And that's also, which will explain an interesting idea, why we find that the Torah relates in Pasha's Kisisa. After this, the, only after, the, when Moshe comes down with the second tablets, it says the people couldn't look at Moshe's face because his face was radiating with light. Erpana, this week's Pasha, his light was shining radiance of light. So the question everybody asks is, How come it didn't happen when he came down the first time? Doesn't say his face was radiant. The answer is because the first time he went up, it wasn't him ascending so much as much as, as God projecting. So he was not so much part of that experience. It was he was human and he was bestowed with an incredible gift of godly light. So once he comes down from heaven, that he's not taking that light so much with him. He's bringing us the luchos, but his his own body didn't change. But in the set, in the last time he was in heaven, what uh, the, Moshe's ascent was actually a refinement. His body went up to become angelic. And therefore, when the God's light met him, it was far more absorbed in that state. And Moshe absorbed it more. Just like the second, that's what we also find by the tablets itself. The first tablets were spectacular they broke. They couldn't last and they didn't attach itself so much to this world. They were so high, so powerful but less connected to our reality. Second tablets are not as spectacular as the first one. But they're absorbed. They last forever. They never broke. Moshe's body in the last 30 days, in the last 40 days, the last period that he was up represents this refinement. And his not eating was one that was reflect the idea that the physical is elevated. Now, when Mashiach will come, we will first have a period of time where there will be the perfection of the material physical world and abundance and eating and so on and so forth. But then we know we will enter into a state where even though we have physical bodies, we, the bodies will become so refined that they will be able to literally live off the rays of the divine. And it won't be miraculous. It will be natural to our bodies. And it won't be lacking anything. Like thinking, "Oh my, I wish I had," you know, lunch. That's not the idea. It, we won't need it. It won't even be. A, it won't even be there. And it will be so much more pleasurable to experience pure food from the divine itself. So it will be similar to Moshe Rabbeinu in the last forty days. The only difference is that, oh, maybe, like Moshe, Moshe's body doesn't say that he dropped his. Again, our opinion, is actually say that Moshe left his body in a certain world and ascended higher. Dropped his body. It's almost like he left it. There, but on the simple level, it seems that Moshe's physical body itself went up to a higher state. So we would say the same thing regarding the Messianic final stage, that our bodies itself, while they will still retain physicality, will be in a state maybe even different than Moshe, because maybe by Moshe, it was more that his body became like... Spirit, and over here the body remains physical, and in that physical state, it reaches perfect refinement. That it can, that it can absorb its nutrients directly from the divine energy without any um, passing through physical food. Whatever it is, it's going to be very special. But this is something that we should realize: the human, the we will all are poised to enter into that state of existence pretty soon. So we should prepare ourselves to the best we can. Everyone, all the best. and may we see Mashiach today.